Hello friends, welcome to Extra Tomorrows where we explore ideas, attitudes, and perspectives to make your tomorrows extra. My guest for episode four is Erin Clark. She ran for the Colorado Buffaloes where she was a 13-time NCAA All-American, a three-time Pac-12 conference champion, competing in events from 3K to 10K and the steeplechase. Recently, she won Lake Sonoma 50 mile in 749 to secure a spot to represent Team USA at the World Mountain and Trail Running Championships in Innsbruck, Austria. She's a Nike athlete out of Missoula, Montana. Please enjoy this conversation with Aaron Clark. All right, Aaron Clark, welcome to Extra Tomorrows. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, you're welcome. Uh, a fellow Missoulian, one person that I see on my, uh, that I can see on the Strava and, uh, running around here and I go, oh yeah, you know, I want to, even, even though I'm not like a competitive racer, when I, uh, I want to do well for Missoula. I want to represent when I go to these races, you know? So yeah, it's fun to have all these, uh, badasses running around town. <clears throat> <laughs> So first, I wanted to uh, kind of talk about you just were just two weeks out from where you just did um, Lake Sonoma. And uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, you may not even remember this, but on your LinkedIn, it said you're interested in some things, but one of them was the use of sports and outdoor activities as sites of learning. And I think I think you uh, you rung the bell. School was in session there for Lake Sonoma. You uh <laughs> You put on a, a a good good little teaching moment for that. So, um, and you said uh, you were really proud that you held it together and pulled that one off. So, can you kind of talk about what that was like from, uh, you know, uh, from your standpoint of uh, getting in there? And then, I mean, that's a long time to be racing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely, it felt long out there. It wasn't one of my longest races. I tend to do, um, some like 12 hour plus races a lot. Um, so like around eight hours wasn't like the longest for me. Um, but yeah, it was a super challenging day. Um, and just a really, really strong field of women that I was competing with. And so I think that made it, um, both really fun to be surrounded and really be competing all day. Like, I think a lot of times in these ultras, they say like, oh, the race starts at mile 50, whether if it's longer, you know, or the race starts at the halfway point or whatever it is. Um, and so it really felt like, wow, it's like mile 10 and the race has already started. Like we're, we're really going for it. Um, so it made for a fun and exciting day and a really challenging last five or 10 miles. Yeah. You went, so there was like a pack of y'all, uh, it was described as, oh, there's Poppy. Uh, there was Sorry. described as like around 13, that's all right, around 13 of you that were kind of uh, <laughs> running together mm -hmm. uh, or, or in close proximity, not necessarily running together. Was that, was that, uh, did that make it easier for you and that you could just kind of tuck into the pack or was that... Was it like stressful in a, you know, cross country sense where you're throwing bows and all that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, I think it was nice up like the first, so the first, uh, two and a half miles was this like uh, gradual road climb and it was nice up that portion. I felt like, cause we were kind of just like running in this group of like 
maybe six or seven. And, um, it was pretty casual and like, right. It's the roads. You have plenty of space. And that was nice. Um, and then we got onto the trail and I kind of expected the pace to chill out a lot. I was like, okay, we ran fast the road and now the trail, like it's going to slow down and we're just going to run in a group. And people were pretty aggressive right away on the trail. Not like physically aggressive, just like, I mean, like with pace wise, like it went out a little quicker than I thought. And so I think, um, that part was a little challenging for me to have to be like, okay, like run your own race. You don't have to like tuck in on like whoever's leading right now. Like you don't, you can settle into like a pace that feels like the right effort for you. Um, and then it was just nice having a lot of women because there was always someone to work with, whether I was like back in like seventh and with a group of a couple people or whether I was like at the front later, um, there was always people to kind of push you. And when you were, uh, going into this race, were you, I mean, uh, were you going in like going for the win? Uh, you were going for this worlds or were you just like, well, you know, I've, I'm fit. I'm gonna take this fit and see what happens or, or a little bit of both. Or how's that, how'd that, um, how'd you go into that? Yeah, I, I really wanted a spot on that world's team. Um, and that was going to be top three. Um, but that was really the primary goal. I was like, you know what, in this case, like I would like to win, but like third is almost as good as first really. Um, if I can get a spot on that team. So um, I was racing with that in mind for sure. Um, but I think as soon as you start running someone else's race or running for a podium spot in the first few miles of an ultra, I can get myself into trouble doing that. So I tried to just, uh, just feel it out early on and run an effort that felt like it was going to give me a really good, uh, run at 50 miles, a really good time for me, a really good effort and kind of just trust and hope that that fitness that I had, that would put me in a good spot overall. Yeah. And a great effort. It was, uh, I love it when you see these, uh, different efforts on Strava and it'll be like, Oh, that was pretty hard or that was easy. <laughs> and, and you got a historic, I think is what you're oh, saying yeah. for that run. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you put up like a 400 or something, that's mm -hmm. like, Oh, I think yours was like 1300 or something like that. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it goes that high. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those numbers yeah, are super fun to look so at. When, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, who have dug deeper say that they're, uh, you know, basically a random number generator, but still <laughs> when you get a big one, you're like, you know, Hey, you know, <laughs> look out. Yeah. So you, um, it seemed like, you know, there, there was that group that stayed together, for a lot of the race. And then when did that start to, when did you start to separate yourself out and, uh, you know, kind of pull ahead from the pack? Yeah, I think, um, the pack was like, there was a group of probably 10, maybe more, but we were a little strung out, I think, because the pace went out fast, like even by the first aid station at like mile 13 ish, like, um, we were pretty strung out and like ones and twos or people running solo. Um, and, I guess I eventually found myself found myself sharing the lead actually right before the second aid station, which was like mile 21 or so. Um, and then shortly after that, a couple of us took a little wrong turn. <laughs> um, but thankfully it was like, a, we found, we caught it quickly. It was a minor, minor detour. Um, and, but coming back out of that, I think it was so closely packed up that even like the four or five minutes that that cost us, we found ourselves in like sixth or seventh. Um, but nobody was too, too far ahead. So um, there's a big climb after that. And I kind of just like focused on like regaining some of that ground gradually um, and kind of just tried to slowly work my way up the field. And 
ended up taking the lead uh, with about 13 to go. So it's an out and back. So like at that, um, that same aid station, which is now like the last aid station. Wow. Wow. Way to go. I mean, I could see a, a lot of people would, you know, if you go off course, that's a great time to like spike your adrenaline and just uh, try to put a kick in, you know, 20 miles from the end of the end of a race, you know, just to get back that game time you gained. So it sounds like you were able to keep yourself under control and not lose, not lose control. So that's great way to go. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a mental challenge, but I tried to stay really composed and I think it helped that, um, I was feeling pretty good at that moment. Right. So I was like, okay, I can handle this. Like just keep going slowly. Your, um, your pacer, I mean, not your pacer, your, there was no pacers, but your crew was on a podcast yesterday and I saw him talking mm-hmm. about when you were coming through the aid stations that you were pretty much, uh, you know, you were cold steel faced. You had your poker face on. There wasn't a lot of talking going on there. Can you, uh, can you talk about what, what was going on in your mind? Like, did you have, did you have kind of a, uh, were you just in hunt mode or how, what, what was going through your mind through most of this, you know, process? Yeah. I think first of all, like this race is just, uh, it's a bit quicker and the paces are a little faster. And so I felt like I wanted to be in and out of the aid stations pretty quickly. And I had a pretty simple setup of what I wanted to grab each time. And so part of me was just like, I'm all business. I'm like grabbing what I need and I'm out of here. Um, and then the other piece of it is Adam was kind of, that was my crew. Um, he was kind of saying that, you know, I, I never told him like, I feel good. I feel bad. Um, this is happening. That's happening. And I felt like some of that was because I wasn't even sure. I was just kind of like, I'm running hard. I don't know if this is going to be a great day or a bad day. I'm just like running hard and I don't even almost know how I feel. I'm just like, this is the effort and this is what I'm doing. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. It's gotta be a huge contrast to say like you're, when you go to, when you went to CCC, you're kind of like, well, based on how I want to finish, then I guess I need to be this many people back. And there's, and us as Americans, I feel like we don't have a big um, amount of context around like, what is this thing even until you do it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I feel like this race that you just did and then maybe Bandera to races like that, where it's, it's more of a running race, you mm-hmm. kind of have some context and you're like, okay, you know, I mean, you're running seven, eight minute pace um, around the lake and that's, you know, that's not unreasonable for you or some weird thing where you're like, it's not like you're in the Alps. Like, what's this going to be like? Mm-hmm. You're like I've ran this and much faster a lot. So mm-hmm. like, well, let's just, you know, keep the foot on the gas. And, but you, it's hard to, like you said, it's, I imagine it's hard to tell, like, how, am I in the red zone? I don't think so. Yeah, it's definitely hard to tell. And uh, that race was just a lot more runnable than the past couple ultras that I have done. And so I think that um, added kind of like a different challenging element because I've had my last couple ultras were super hilly and fairly technical. And so there was just like a lot of hiking and this was just a lot of, a lot of running all day. Yeah. Uh, the, what was the, can you talk, can we talk about snacks? Mm-hmm. What was, what was that, the snack situation looking like for you, uh, during this race? Yeah. Um, I've gotten really into scratch. Um, that's like the company whose product I mostly use. Um, I'm not technically sponsored by them or anything. Um, that's just what I've found, like tends to work really well for me. So I usually just drink like their, their regular drink mix and they have like a ton of flavors. 
Um, so that's nice. I try to like alternate throughout the aid stations, which one I'm getting. Um, and then mainly their gummies as well. Um, I had a couple cliff gels in there as well. And some just like regular, like Welch's gummies. Um, but kind of just like liquid sugar and gummy bears out there really. <laughs> nice. And were you doing it off of, uh, off of timing or were you just like getting down what you could when you could or how, what was that like? Loosely off of timing. Um, so I kind of had planned out like at each aid station I would come through, I had, uh, like a belt I was wearing. And so I had like one slightly bigger water bottle and one little one. And then I would have like at least two packs of gummies with me, um, through each aid station. And my goal was to drink both of those and eat both of the gummies. And then I would get two bottles and two packs of gummies back, um, or fresh ones. Uh, I didn't always do that. I think I was definitely like a little under on the fueling, especially late in the race. Um, which that's something I need to improve upon. And running like that much, it was a lot of chewing. And so I think I need to start doing some more gels, but um, it was enough to get me through on that day. But there's always more to work on with that. Did you, did you feel like uh, you could have eaten more or, or, I mean, did you, was there any point where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm just, just barely getting by on this or, or did you feel like it was dead on? Like, it was pretty good for the first two thirds of the race. I think I'm, I tend to be someone who is kind of on the borderline of not quite eating enough. Um, especially in a race that's so runnable, I think it's hard to want to eat. Um, but my watch actually, actually clocked like 52.8 miles at the finish line. And so when I thought I had like three miles to go, I had closer to six and that really killed me. Um, with like, three or four miles to go. I was like out of water and food and like really hurting for it. Um, and felt like I was like really riding that line of like, Oh geez, like, am I going to kind of start bonking and falling apart? Um, thankfully I made it. Okay. There was an aid station with one mile to go. Um, and I like sprinted through and had a guy fill up, um, my bottle with like Roctane, which is what he had there, which is fine. I don't like usually use it, but it's like, it's pretty, standard, I guess. I feel like in the trail world, it's not weird. Um, so I like chugged some of that as I'm like sprinting down like a pavement descent, which was challenging, but I think it like helped me get, get to the line. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Light work for the champ, light work for the champ. You did, you did great. That's, it seems like it, obviously it, it worked out for you, but you know, it seems like, it's a very difficult one for runners, especially, you know, when you're a cyclist, you can eat a lot more, you know, you're not jumping around mm-hmm. and like a maniac, mm-hmm. but when you're on trails, you're jumping every, a lot, yeah. all the time yeah, and totally. a lot. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the food, the food can be a challenge and then the whole chewing, it's, it's a chore. It's a chore. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, that's great. It's good to hear. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Scratch and then uh, basically gummy bears. That's, that's great. <laughs> I'm have to take that with me. And you didn't have any. Uh, I I listened to uh, if folks want to get back and and listen to uh, the podcast. What's it called? Everyday Ultra Podcast. You did, and you talked about your CCC. Um, oh yeah. Uh, experience, and uh, you talked about scratch then too. But I think you had, you'd had a little bit of a, a beverage malfunction there at the very beginning. So uh, you were trying trying <laughs> some of the uh, oh, yeah. external ways of absorbing it before the race. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. People should go back and check that out. 
<laughs> yep. I, um, I've been using mostly only scratch products for my last two ultras and I just found it to be working really well for me. So I've been sticking with that. And, um, yeah, I, uh, caused one of my bottles to kind of explode at the start of CCC, which was uh, a whole thing, but I think it, it got some laughs out, which kind of like relaxed me a little bit. Like it triggered some like, kind of like happiness, I think in a way. Um, so I think all together mm. it was almost a positive thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Scratch can work that into their marketing materials like that. Well, congratulations <laughs> on Lake Sonoma. That's it's crazy. Yeah, I looked through that race and I was like, "Woof, that is a lot of work." Good job. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. I do want to go back and touch on a, a race before that. I guess you'd call that a race. I think it was officially called a challenge, but uh, it's one that we have right here in town. It's uh, the Runner's Edge Treadmill Challenge. And uh, I got to say, that is so much fun to watch. <laughs> and uh, you went out there. So uh, can can you kind of explain what the format is? Yeah, totally. Um, it's super fun and unique. So they have men's heats and women's heats. Um, so for the women, it was uh, two prelims, uh, each of three people. Um, and then the top finisher as well as one additional person will make it to the final, um, which is another final heat of three. Um, and the challenge is running on your treadmill at, I believe it's 12% grade for 10 minutes. Um, and whoever goes the furthest in 10 minutes, uh, wins and it's all, all in the store. So it's super hot and there's tons of people yelling. Um, and you're kind of up on a stage and it's just like a very, very hype atmosphere. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, that was the people can see that. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes, but there was uh, some great pictures that came out of it. But if there's a picture from outside of the store and the windows are just completely fogged up from yep. just all the sweat or whatever, because <laughs> even though it, even though it is the dead of winter, um, and you know it's probably yeah it's probably equal parts sweat and then people's uh, people yelling, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just it's really hype. It's really cool to see too because. You got like uh, in that final heat, it was, uh, you know, Jennifer Lichter and yourself and then Aaron Ford, who's a road runner. But then before that, there was also there's some high school athletes in there, too. So mm -hmm. and so then there's high school athletes in the crowd. It's not just, you know, pros. And then they have some, you know, some old some old people in there, too, you know, to for, so that people like me can be like, oh, yeah, I got some representation as well. Um, so uh, some like uh, a former mountain running champion it was in the women's heat. And then, uh, yeah, it was some old dude. So it's, it's really interesting to see. And I love that stuff. So it's, it, it's cool for the, um, you know, for the kids to see it too. And to be like, Oh, this is, you know, to get, and to get to challenge y'all, you know, get to challenge someone who's going to the world championship. And then, you know, and then you establish your dominance over them. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a super fun event. So, so um, being... Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, so, I, so when I, I see that and then I see like, um, you know, uh, there's a, a pole vaulter that works at the coffee shop right down from here. And I asked them and they knew who you were and they were like, Oh, I like her. She's in, uh, you know, I know who that is. Oh, I like her. And uh, so thinking about that, uh, the impression that you have on other younger up and coming runners, 
and in the scene in general, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, kind of impression do you want to have on them and what kind of legacy do you want to leave for these folks as you're working through, you know, your career? Oh man. Um, big question. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think, uh, it's cool. I've um, been helping out at the university of Montana, helping to coach cross country and track. And so I think I get, um, kind of this firsthand look into that younger generation. Um, and then I try to go to the high school meet sometimes in town if I can. Uh, but yeah, especially now, like I just think about, um, wanting to be someone, you know, who, who's really driven and competes at the top level and works really hard, but is also really approachable to their community and especially like younger female runners. Um, and I think that was something like I really valued when I was younger. Um, I know in, in college, like we had, um, Kara Goucher came back to train with, um, my college coaches. And so she did a few long runs with us. And I just remember like, she was kind of an idol of mine, right. When I was, um, a younger teenager watching her run. And so it was really cool to like, that she was so down to earth when I would talk to her, you know? Um, and just like, so just chatted, like she was one of the rest of us. And so I think that was, that was important to me, just like being really approachable, um, and, uh, yeah, accessible to those people. Nice. Yeah, you have a unique opportunity because you uh, you've I'm sure you know this that you have a unique opportunity because you have um, you know you worked you've done the whole shooting match. I mean, like you were competitive in a bunch of different events, and you know you went to college. You know, uh, you and run there the Northern Arizona Elites, um, competed well in downhill skiing too, right? Um, yeah, but in high school, you a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, varied experience. And so you can, you can, uh, speak to a lot of, and then, you know, gone through and it wasn't like, um, you know, an easy ride either, you know, there were bumps in the road and you, the challenges to overcome. And so you have a, you have a lot of experience to offer there. So that's, and it also speaks to the kind of, you know, tough person you are because you're able to get through those things because a lot of people would just give up, you know, they just feel like, you know what, I'm over all this. Uh, but you know, you, you know, like sometimes you need to take a break from things, but then you, uh, you, you just get back into it and start, Oh, well, I guess I'll go run a hundred kilometers and compete for a golden ticket or, <laughs> you know, or like go, go race like Sonoma for 50 miles. Like, yeah, crazy. You're yeah. Tough, obviously. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So let's talk about Innsbruck and worlds. Um, There's a, that's a really interesting thing because, you know, even when you were talking about Sonoma, uh, you were talking about, you were working with these folks and that's really interesting because, I mean, when you consider that in Lake Sonoma, you're competing against people that are going to be your teammates, you know, in like seven weeks from now. So, uh, that's, uh, can you talk about that team and what you look forward to, um, going from trail running, which is usually a very solitary sport, you know, as far as training and all that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and then going into going, returning back to sort of a, a team racing with the team. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that'll be really neat. You don't have a lot of opportunity to race as a team in trail. Um, and obviously that was something like I really, really loved and through high school and college. So 
um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And it's cool too, to, you know, see some of those women, um, that you're going head to head with for those spots a, a few weeks ago, you know, and then, um, yeah. And like a month or two down the road, they're your, they're your teammates and, um, you're really trying to achieve something together. So I think that'll be a really neat experience. Yeah. I mentioned there's a, <clears throat> there's a, there's a lot to, a lot for you to pass on to folks. Like, you know, there's some people there, there's a, at least one of the folks there is a, you know, a young gun, I guess, a young mm-hmm. up and comer there. We got 21 year old Shea Quilano, third at JFK 50. That's, that's impressive that age, <laughs> but like, I'm sure she's going to, she's going to sponge up stuff from different people. And then you got, you know, that's kind of like the, maybe the least experienced of the people. And then you got Claire Gallagher, Mm-hmm. you know, who's, uh, who's won a bunch of stuff, you know, who, and just, um, you know, is one of those, uh, everyone loves her. And she's also one of those people that's, uh, oh, just we'll go run around in Alaska. And then, you know, then a couple of weeks later, come back and win Western States. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, just a neat team. I was looking on the, on the world's website and, uh, that's a challenge. There's a lot going on there. And, but one of the things they said is that there's, uh, you know, there's going to be some hair raising performances. And so, um, so just, just so you know, that's, that's what people are expecting out of you over there is to have their hair raised. <laughs> Strange way that they put it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things in there. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So, so as you're going over there, uh, what sort of impression do you want to leave on like the the international mountain and ultra trail runners and the whole scene by your appearance and performance at Worlds? Oh man, um, I I mean it's really uh, I feel like I'm so new to this um, level of the stage in trail running, um, but I just really want to go out there and give it my best, and um, I try to tell myself like to not. Um, I want to respect all my competitors, but I don't want to fear any of them. And I want to believe that, you know, I can run with the best of them. So I just want to, you know, have the best race I can and give myself a shot. And then when I'm done doing that, just like be the best supporter of all of my teammates in my race and other races. Um, and you know, get to meet some really cool athletes from all over the world. It's like, it's just such a gift. It's such an opportunity. So, yeah. And as far as like the, the team aspect, as y'all go over there, I mean, so you're going to have, I believe it's like one or two people in the aid station, like a crew, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so do you, is there some sort of interface before then, or y'all are going to do some sort of camp or is it just like, is it all sort of verbal beforehand, like here developing a game plan and that sort of thing as you come, as you uh, prepare? Yeah. Um, we'll all at least get over there. Um, I think by like the fifth ish of June and then our race is on the ninth. Um, and I don't have a ton of details at this point, but as far as I understand, yeah, we'll have like a couple people working as our crew. Um, and we'll probably just kind of each sit down with them and be like, okay, here's what I need, um, at this aid station at that aid station. Um, and so they'll have, um, some detailed instructions for all of us, which crewing for six different people or, I guess the men are in the same race. So like 12 different people in one race (laughs) sounds really challenging, but um, they know what they're doing. So I'm sure it'll go great. (laughs) 
Yeah, that looks interesting. I've never seen this sort of format before. I, uh, yeah, I wish I could make it over for that. They have, they're actually selling tickets for it. Like, I mean, in America, that's not a thing that I've ever seen, like selling tickets for a race at all, yeah. much yeah. less, you know, trail races. And then they also have like hop on, hop off shuttles for the spectators. So they're like, take them to the different spots where they can see the runners. So that's, looks like a, an amazing spot. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be really... What are you looking forward most to? Um, man, um, I don't know. It's, it's honestly all of it. I mean, obviously I'm looking forward to competing, um, and that will really be my focus when I'm over there of like really having the best race that I can. Um, but also just, I mean, like soaking up the experience, you know, I've never obviously been to Austria before. And so, um, just getting to experience, you know, Innsbruck and like taking in the culture and like the food and just like, just like really immersing myself and being present in all that and enjoying it and then going out and racing hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get those euros. I think the first person, first place takes 3000 euros or something like that. <laughs> Minus Austria's 20% that they take out, but uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I don't know what, I don't know if what if they do big fat checks over there, but that's always uh that can always be a challenge flying back with one of those things. <laughs> I haven't done the big fat check. I did fly so, back with the <laughs> my golden ticket and that was hard. <laughs> the golden ticket? Yeah, I had to carry it through the airport hey. and I had like a I had a bunch of people like, Oh, did you get invited to the chocolate factory? <laughs> I was like, no, nah. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> That chocolate factory. These people, come on now. Have some respect <laughs> for the champ. Um, so so I guess, uh, well, one thing I want to ask you right now is like, uh, so how are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? I mean, I got to imagine that, that's, you know, running like Sonoma had to been, a, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work. You did a lot of work. Asked a lot of your body. Your body delivered. And then, um, and so now, uh, you're probably taking a little time to recollect yourself and, uh, and then what does the training look like between now and worlds? Cause I, you know, I'm, there's, you know, two different things that people would generally consider is that like, you know, just your overall fitness, whatever that is, uh, is going to help you in that race. And then, there are some, you know, several significant climbs. I mean, all of them are significant, I guess. I mean, even this, you know, at first I was looking at the course and I was like, oh, there's these like two big climbs. And I was like, no, it's just that they're so big that it makes <laughs> these other big climbs look small. So, um, so there's, uh, you know, I imagine there's some climbing practice. And so just kind of speak to, speak to what you, what you looking, looking forward to doing between now and then. Yeah. Um, a really, really different course than what we had at Lake Sonoma. I think Sonoma, the biggest climbs are like six to 800 feet. And, um, over in, over in Austria, the first two climbs are going to be like four to 5,000 feet each. Um, so pretty huge adjustment. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. I definitely, I love doing the climbing. Um, just like the, yeah, getting up on Sentinel, our local mountain here, it's like 2000 feet and you can get there in under two miles. So getting out there with the poles again and just like really going up and down, um, and kind of switching from faster, more runnable training to, um, vert training basically. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, that's mm-hmm. what's coming up and working on getting recovered so that I can do that. Yeah, that's a challenge. There's a, at least the uphill running is a little, um, a little more forgiving, you know, coming off of what had to be a, you know, a self thrashing event at, uh, <laughs> at Lake Sonoma. It's probably a little more forgiving to walk up and down some hills. And we finally are getting some spring weather out here in Missoula. It has been a challenge. I've been like, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been testing my patience this year. So yeah. Yeah. I think finally, you speak. <laughs> yeah. Sentinel's all uncovered finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you, you speak for all of us with that. Where, so um, how did you, oh, I'm sorry. No, well, well, there's, uh, well, how did you, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with that? With the fact that, you know, it's been an, I mean, when it's covered in ice, the trails are a little bit better, but like, you know, we've been for the past couple, three months, just been like, it's just a mix of whatever. It's like, oh, do I have to put on my spikes to go between these two mountains or whatever? And so it's, I don't know, it's just a big mess. And you're just like, I don't even want to do anything anymore. It's just like, should I take up cycling indoors now? Or how did you, how did you deal with that? Did you do a lot of skiing or indoor cycling or other things? Or, I mean, I saw that one point you did go to, I believe it was Utah for mm-hmm. a little camp, but in general, how did you deal with this? Yeah. Um, it's definitely been a challenging long winter. Um, yeah, I think this, uh, this training block for Sonoma ended up being a little shorter than I generally would like for an ultra, but, um, coming out of the winter, it's just, it's really hard to, to pound miles in January and February. And so, yeah, I spent a lot more time on the skis, um, both doing some schemo stuff and skate skiing, um, so that was nice to get some more volume in that way um, and not have to be running on the ice and snow as much because I don't love that. Um, and then there were a lot more road miles. Um, I think I leaned into doing some workouts on the road and really enjoyed doing that um, and had a heavier focus there than I've had before. Um, and then I had to do some road long runs, which I didn't love, um, but got through them <laughs> mentally, made me stronger, hopefully. And yeah, then there were also the days where it's like, okay, you throw on the micro spikes and the pace is going to be really slow and that's okay. Yeah. Those micro spikes, I mean, they are a blessing and a curse. I mean, you you know, we did uh, the, that running up for air. Everyone had to wear them and it, it's fine on the, all that. But, you know, you can't, you can't get, it's hard to get fast leg turnover with those things on when you got an extra pound on each one of the ends of your feet. Yeah, definitely. So one, you know, someone who's looking at, at your, at the origin story of Aaron Clark of like, you know, starting with, you know, being in Eugene, doing like, like a middle school meet at like Hayward Field, and then going to run with the Buffaloes, and then... (laughs) the Northern Arizona elite, and now going to the world championships. I mean, it sounds like the meteoric rise of like a hero. And so when I, if I, if I were to take that timeline and push it off and, or, you know, keep, you know, keep it going into the future, then I'm like, what does that look like? You know, what, what do you see? What what are some of the things that you wouldn't be surprised at in the next three, five years that you're uh, sort of working towards? Or is it too hard to see that 
far in it in the future? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to separate, right? Like there's, um, there's a lot of big goals that I have. And at the same time, I feel like those are, those are things in a way that would, that would surprise me to be able to achieve them. But, um, I think that's why they're big goals. Um, uh-huh. yeah, I'll be back after worlds. I'll be back at CCC this year. Um, and I would, I would really like to mm-hmm. have a better finish this year. I was super happy after last year, but I think, um, my training has been better. I think I'm stronger than I was last year. Um, so I'm hoping to improve upon that and just, um, kind of keep stacking the hours and see, if I can't, you know, keep kind of improving at each race that I go to, um, I know not each one is going to be a plus, but I think, um, you know, just making that general trend, uh, steady improvement is what you hope for. Um, I would like to try and OTQ for the Olympic trials marathon, um, in the fall. Um, and I would like to try and qualify for Western States in the spring, got some unfinished business there. So it would be really cool to get back on that course and try to survive. Nice. That's, those are great goals. I love that OTQ. And you've done that before in the steeplechase, right? The 3000 steeplechase. Yeah, I did run in the steeplechase of the trials, uh, one time way back in 2016. So, um, yeah. Do you feel like that gives you uh, you know, kind of a feeling of, or it makes it a little, a little less daunting. I mean, you start, sure you still got to do all the work and, and have a good day and all that. But at least like, you know, first when I hear someone talk about Olympic trials, I'm like, I don't know. To me, that's like traveling to Mars or something. I can't (laughs) even wrap my mind around it. Um, yeah, I think I, um, I do definitely take some confidence from having, you know, a road and track background and knowing that while I haven't really been tapping into that speed lately, it is, it is there. And, um, the qualifiers 237. And I think that's a time I am capable of running in the marathon. Um, it's just a matter of if I can stay healthy through that training block and if I have enough time, um, between finishing CCC in September and, um, racing in December to, to get that speed back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge, but I I feel like that's a, I really like that you're doing these relatively disparate goals because it's, you know, there's that, um, the variety is healthy, it seems like. Um, and you definitely have the speed to do it. You, you had a, what, it, I think your, is your mile PR still 448.06? Um, I don't know. I don't know how many, if I've ever really run a true mile, actually. Um, Oregon, we raced 1500 in high school. Okay. Um, and so I raced 1500 in college, but I've run, yeah, around, around there, um, for like the 15 conversion. So. Right. Yeah. It was tough. I went on a few websites. One of them said that 448, you know, and it was at some, uh, Colorado Inventational <laughs> and it was, so it was at a, a track indoor track that was at, at a mile high. So I was like, Oh, look out. It wasn't just like at sea level either. Um, <laughs> maybe it happened. I don't know. <laughs> but also some of these websites, I think, yeah. It's, you know, that's just an everyday occurrence for you. You're just like, whatever. I don't remember. I can do that tomorrow. Um, that's great. Nice. Cool. So CCC, yeah, that one, that looks amazing. And it, I, I, it seems like there's, uh, it's a, like a lot to learn, you know, I think, uh, well, both of those races, uh, the, um, 
the Western states, there's like heat skills, which I guess you, you kind of ran right into like not having a great time with the heat there. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, now it's become so, it's like a technical challenge. Like people are like using vests or there's special headwear and all this stuff. So that both of those races seems like there's like a lot of technical challenges. It's like, whether it be poles or, um, yeah, or the heat. So that's a, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, knots to unwind, huh? Yeah, totally. I think that makes it, um, pretty fun. Some of these events is that, right. It's not, just your fitness, you know, that needs to be there, but you also need to kind of try to dial in these other components too. Um, I was really fit when I ran Western States, but it didn't matter. You know, I didn't get a chance to show that because I couldn't handle, um, the other elements. (laughs) Um, so that's one thing I'm excited about in particular, uh, with CCC is having been there last year. Um, I think it's like, there's like five or so five or six big climbs. Um, and they're all pretty similar vert wise. Like they're all between like 1500 and 2000 feet. Um, and so having seen those once before, um, I think now this coming year I can kind of run more aggressively and like know where, where to push and can do that a little earlier because like I know what's coming and I have a pretty strong understanding of the course. Yeah. Well, shoot, that's awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't, th- another thing I wanted to ask you, like, so where um you've 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 got a lot of leadership skills and a lot of confidence and it comes through and it's honestly very refreshing in this sport there's a lot of uh folks that are uh sometimes uh like annoyingly i don't know what you call it um they're you know, oh, shucks, all me, you know, shoegaze or whatever uh whereas you're like, you know I'm gonna give it a crack, I'm gonna go out there and try to win it um and I, it's really, it's really refreshing to hear. Where do you, where do you, where does your confidence come from? You feel like? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I'm, especially as a woman in this sport, I always am like kind of trying to ride that line between being confident and trying to, you know, race the best and do as well as I can. Um, as well as, you know, trying to, to be really humble. And I don't think I often, um, speak too aggressively heading into a race. Um, but I, I don't know. I think um, really as long as I've been racing, I've tried to kind of just hold confidence in, in my abilities, I think, particularly through ups and downs. You know, sometimes your, your training block isn't going to look the way you like, um, especially for me with like injuries and different things. And so I try to have this like kind of deeper confidence in, um, you know, the background of work that I've done throughout my life um, and just like my ability to work. Um, whether it's to hurt on race day, as well as to just like, go out there and compete and um, race other people. Like I'm super competitive. Um, yeah. I try to kind of have it be this, uh, this kind of deeper thing that I just like, I hold on to. That's great. That's great. Especially when you, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenges and and maybe I'm getting this wrong. Tell me if you think I'm, I could be wrong. Is that I feel like in a running for some reason there's um there's an odd shame around like injuries or um you know it's kind of a stigma whereas it's like I mean if you know in football or basketball it's like oh you got injured like who doesn't um whereas like running it almost feels like people want to go and hide away like haha you 
or like people are going to point and laugh at you like, oh, you got injured. But um, I feel like it's a pretty normal thing and there's some shame around it. Do you think I'm off there? No, I think that's somewhat true for sure. Um, I think you see it um, on like the professional side of sport, especially I think pretty quickly. Maybe it's because they're just more more media around those sports. But as soon as, you know, someone in the NFL, you know, hurts their knee or whatever it may be, or the NBA, et cetera, et cetera, um, you hear about it immediately, right? And it's like, oh, so-and-so is getting whatever surgery. Um, and I think in running a lot of elite runners, um, when they do get hurt or even like, you know, like just everyday runners, um, tend to kind of just like go quiet and not say anything about it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny to me because I think, um, running probably has fewer, you know, really extreme injuries, but a lot more, um, smaller Mm -hmm. injuries. Like we're constantly getting like little tendonitis or like different things like that. And so I think it's better if we can just be open about it because, everyone's going through it like every year or two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, yeah, I guess there's, it's probably part of it is the money part of it, you know, with trail and ultra running being a, a younger sport, not a ton of money in it yet. Like, whereas like if it's a football thing, I don't know, they get injured. It's like a crew descends upon them. Let's get those guys in a hyperbaric chamber and like get their legs up and start massaging them and stuff. And like when runners get injured, it's like, well, let us know when you're not injured anymore. You know, it seems uh, it's a totally different vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you've in the past, when you've been injured, how do you work through things like that? Do you uh, uh, there's a lot of different coping mechanisms people use. Some people they get they get mad. Sometimes that's me. I get mad, but, uh, and some people, sometimes people get sad, but then some people like are thankful for it. How, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think I've learned a lot as I've gotten older. Um, I think my first couple injuries, I, I didn't handle very well. Um, I think my tendency is to get kind of sad and to kind of distance myself from people, um, especially like teammates or running partners and things like that. Um, and so I think, I've, you know, tried to kind of learn to like not do that so much and then to just like pivot to other sports. Um, so to cycling, to swimming and things like that. Um, I think like, obviously it helps maintain your fitness, but it also kind of helps maintain your sanity. Um, and then just like, usually like Mm -hmm. the times when you really don't want to reach out to your friends or the times when you really ought to. Um, so I think I try to, I try to remember that as well. Awesome. Good advice here, folks from the (laughs) champ. Cause, uh, you know, the, thing about running is is that uh like setbacks are not separate from the process of winning it's part of the process right yeah totally i think um if you're you know striving to be the best that you can be and to like really reach your ultimate potential like that's going to come with taking some risks and like upping your volume and you know training harder than you have before and just like inevitably that will sometimes result in overshooting and doing more than you can handle but um I think if you're not having some of that, then you maybe aren't like knocking on the door of what you're capable of. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we should wrap it up there with this, with you dropping that wisdom on us. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being, for joining. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a fun conversation. Thank you for listening to Extra Tomorrows. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more interviews like this, or if you hated it and would like to hate further, be sure to follow the show and turn on notifications. 
See you tomorrow.